Hi, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. Today's episode is episode 57, going from suffering to joy and living a heart-centered life with Danielle Laporte. Danielle is someone I've admired for many, many years since the very start of my own journey. She's someone who's paved the way for so many of us in the online space. She's a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100, a group who, in Oprah Winfrey's words, is uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. She is the creator of the Desire Map series, a heart-centered approach to finding your true power. The book has been translated into 10 languages, a day planner system, a multimedia course, a top 10 iTunes app, and workshop and coaching programs with leaders in over 15 countries. She's someone who is named the top 100 websites for women by Forbes. Over 5 million people a month visit DanielleLaporte.com for her regular truth bombs, poetry, and much, much more. She's truly someone who I admire greatly, who's had a huge impact in my own life and journey. She's someone I now call a friend, a mentor, and just an inspirer in every sense of the word. Today's episode is really, really special to me. We go super deep with Danielle's own journey, her journey through suffering into joy, how she was able to create her beautiful online business, the pivots that she took going from a full coaching practice into products and more books and doing things differently on her own terms. So if you're looking for some inspiration, someone to give you permission to follow your own heart and just a how-to guide for living life and doing things in a way that feel good. This episode's for you. So go ahead and dive in. It's episode 57 with Danielle Laporte. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the show. Hi, Emily. Hi, everybody listening. So excited to have you here. As I've already shared at the introduction to this amazing episode, you are someone I've admired for many, many years. And I'm grateful to have this time with you because not only are the listeners about to learn a ton from all of your wisdom, all your experience, but I know I always learn a lot from our conversations as well. So thank you so much for being here. I'm excited. Awesome. So for those of us who don't know about your backstory, can you just tell us a little bit about how you got into this work and and jumped on this journey of of supporting people with their core desired feelings and just being such a a light worker, for lack of a better phrase, in the world? Yeah. Oh, God. No, that's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me start from now. I'll, I'll tell you what's important to me now. Great. And then I can attach each of those things to uh, the background. So uh, what's really important to me now, this is actually, I don't know if I would define it as a mission statement, but we're very clear that the reason my business exists is to alleviate suffering and amplify joy. That's it. And we do that by, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a seeker. I'm a seeker. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm, I live a very devotional life. I'm a mother. I love the game of publishing. So I, I do my thing and then I share my learnings from that. So at the end of the day, what I'm putting on every platform are very personal lessons that have everything to do with being more conscious and loving in the world. So that's what I do now. How did that all come to be? Um, oh gosh. You know, I was, I was a bartender. I've had tons of therapy. Um, I've left workshops and led workshops. Um, you know, I was a highly philosophical kid. I ran a think tank in Washington, DC, where I had 20 some futurists. And we looked at how global trends might converge or collide. I consulted to the Pentagon. You know, I'd only, I just graduated from high school. I never went to university or college. Basically how I was able to, and I'm still able to pull everything off is I talked my way into everything. Like one of my first and last actually real jobs was I was working for the body shop Canada. So I'm Canadian. And 
these were the days where like, you know, lots of people don't even, aren't even familiar with the founder anymore, but it was like the golden age of social responsibility and where people were just getting into um, fair trade and organic ingredients for cosmetics and <clears throat> excuse me, body care. And the woman, Anita Rodick, who was a founder, she now passed away. My learning from her was, you know, she would always say, be daring, be different and be first. And that left a deep impression on me. And especially the like be first part, because there's a lot that comes with being first, which is, is all about, you, you can't be overpackaged. You can't be perfectionistic and you have to be courageous if you want to be first. And you have to believe in your own originality. Like a lot of the women that I've worked with in the past when I was doing, you know, one-on-one -on -one strategy work would say, but the story's already been told. Someone's already talking about abundance. Somebody's already talking about how to have a great marriage. And it's like, but no one has got like your lens on it. Just bring your own story and bring your own honest, authentic story. Don't inflate your success. Just tell people where you're at in your journey and then just serve, 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 be the giver. There's lots more in there, but I think that's a good intro. <laughs> yeah, I know that's beautiful. And I love that story. So take us back to when you started coaching and when you started to become obsessed with this, this experience of going from suffering into joy. How did that happen? Well, I've never called myself a coach and uh, I will call myself a coach someday because I'm actually going to create a certified coaching program with some master coaches for, for my desire map system. But um, I was a strategist. I was very clear about that. Uh, I'm not going to walk you through a series of steps to help you have a revelation, which is really the essence of coaching. And I'm all for it. I mean, I have, I'm constantly coached myself. However, my job was what I could be best in the world at, at that moment for myself was I'm going to show up. I'm going to look at your situation. I'm going to tell you what I think you should do based on my opinions and expertise. And then you go, go make up your mind. So that's what I did. So I, I had a company that I co-founded with a friend. We raised a bunch of money. So we were doing, um, what I would call like a holistic personal branding, where you really took your soul into consideration with how you wanted to show up in the world. And Oprah called and we got a big book deal and we ended up ne never getting on Oprah with that story. Um, but in the meantime, I raised a bunch of money. I hired a CEO. I got fired from my own company. So I got Steve jobbed and I left with <laughs> a Blackberry, totally dates this, and my office chair. And about $150,000 in debt that I was personally responsible for because I co-signed all these loans to the business. And I thought, what can I do? I know what to do. I actually know how to start online businesses, more specifically for, you know, female identified people. And so I just did a, put out a blog post. These are in the days where WordPress was new and said, I'm going to call these fire starter sessions and schedule in. And they did. And within a year I had like a six month waiting list and, you know, it was, they were, it was expensive. And, um, I went around the country wherever anybody would have me. I did 16 cities in a year and just sat in people's living rooms and just gave them my ideas. And it, and it worked. <laughs> Wow. Um, Where did you come up with fire starter session mm -hmm. as the name? Somebody had called me that like a lot of my best names are really gifts from other people. Like somebody had said to me just in passing, Danielle, you're such a fire starter. And I was like, yes, thank you. I'm going to run. May I run with it? Yeah. And even like truth bombs. I said something and somebody like, boom, that's a truth bomb. Like that's what I'm going to call those one liners every day. And that turned into a thing. And I've always, you know, I'm obsessed with light. I'm obsessed with the light of consciousness and illumination. So anything to do with light, it's there. Like it's, yeah, it's a, it's a through line and all my stuff. 
So what year was this when you were doing the Firestarter sessions? Oh, God. I'm really, I have no concept of time. Um, the year, that was about, uh, now I do everything by the year of my, my my kid's age. So that was like 12, 10, 12 years ago now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're hosting these, I guess, workshops in people's homes. And what did that lead to? What was yeah. the next? So just to be clear, I think it's like so important. I, I'm really so specific about language. I wasn't a coach. I was a strategist. These weren't workshops. These were just jam sessions because okay. again, like I didn't, I didn't have a methodology. <laughs> I didn't have like, we're going to start this and you're going to do these exercises and you're going to end up at this place. I just like, tell me your situation and I'll give you advice. I was just like this hired strategist. Yeah. Um, and where did that end up? Well, that ended up in another book that ended up in in the book called Firestarter Sessions. And in Firestarter Sessions, I planted a chapter, a seed about what became desire mapping. And I said to my publisher at the time, this is Random House, I was like, you know, chapter four, that's really the future. Firestarters might sell a couple copies. I, you know, I, I hope we do well, but I'm going to build something big on that idea of your core desired feelings being the center of your goals and your intentions. And, and I did. How did you know that at the time? I felt it. It was working in my own life. I had a little sticky post-it note that had four feelings written on them. I think it was something like divinely feminine, affluent, um, focused and Shakti. It was something like that. They've changed it many times since then. And and that little post-it note worked. I care, you know, I care that I made my decision. Like, am I going to do this deal? No, I don't feel divinely feminine. This, I feel like fried toxic masculinity and like, no. And do I feel affluent? Like, am an affluent for me wasn't about money. It was about, can I influence the situation positively? And I was like, I can't change these people's minds. This isn't where I want to be. I want to go. I'm going to go bring my message somewhere else. So it was working. And also things like the science of gratitude, which is a big part of desire mapping. It was working, meaning I felt more at ease. I felt more blessed. I felt I was thinking more clearly. Yeah. All those things. So it was like, it was my own case study. Yeah. And then I had one woman, I was, I was, I, I did one of my biggest gigs at the time. And it was the first time I had a lineup after I spoke. This woman came up to me and she said, that thing with the feelings, with the map, I, 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 I want a worksheet because I think that would change my life. And I was just like, thank you, sister. Got it. And there was a book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really wanted to, to really point that out. And I'm glad you explained the whole backstory because I think so often people are trying to think their way to the next iteration of the company or what they're meant to do. And they're not trusting their own instincts and the feelings that are saying, Hey, this is the next step or, Hey, you know, let's listen to this client who just said she wants the worksheet and um, they want it to be more formulaic than an instinct. And that's so such a great point. Such yeah. a great point because, well, let me add, let me add to this then. So, D Desire Map was a book. Um, I self-published it, and then a publisher came along and said, "Sounds true." Came to me and say, "Hey, we want to do some audio with you." And I was like, "Ah, I don't, I don't really want to do an audio thing right now because I'm going to do the next iteration of my book because I learned all these things from the first iteration and people told me things and we tested it out. And I, and this was, this is really important part of this. Do not get attached to your formulas and your gimmicks. Cause I see there's a, um, yeah, I was going to go off in another direction to say what I see out there. I'll just tell you how it works for me. Um, if I got attached to version one of desire map, because I thought it was working, it wouldn't be where it is today or where it's about to go. And I'll, so there's a few more steps to this that are, I think, really potentially valuable lessons. So I said no to audio. And I said to my publisher, I'm going to do the second version. Why don't we do some weird deal that you've never done before, where you're just going to take my finished book 
because I'm literally about to send it to the printer. Take my finished book, put your name on it. You distribute it, but you're not my editors and you really have, you know, I did all the design and then just go get distribution and, and give me a really great royalty since I did all the work and they did it. And that was seven years ago. And instead of, and because I was very clear that I had something that was intellectual property, like this is, this is a, a procedure. There are seven steps. You do this and you get a result. So instead of giving that to the publisher as a copyright deal where they would have owned that IP, I said, you can license this IP for a set amount of time. And I don't think that was my brilliance at the time. I can't even remember making that decision. I think somebody that I hired who was really wise, there was a bunch of people involved at the time, but I hired a really seasoned lawyer who loved me and really wanted to see me grow. He was like, really had that father energy about him, wanted to take care of me. And I think it was Don. And Don said to me, you know, sweetheart, do a, do an IP deal here, do a licensing deal. And I was, didn't even know what it meant. I was like, okay. And seven years later turned out to be one of the best things I'd ever done. Um, because if I would have done a copyright deal, the publisher would have had a right to my licensing because now I have, there are 500 desire map facilitators in 21 countries teaching workshops. Wow. And I have a whole day planner system that, you know, is a big vertical. Um, so what else did I learn in that? So, yes, I want to go back to your point about things being iterative and take the next step will show itself to you is I resisted for a long time. P- people kept asking me and even my team was like, you know, D, we need to do create workshops and let other people teach this. And I was three years into the book being out in the world and I wasn't ready. And I just, no, I said like, it's going to be too unwieldy. I can't, I need to have control over this. And And then finally, I kind of relented and I did it before I was ready and said, okay. And we put it in a box and called it a license and created a whole manual. And then here I am today. That brings us to now. And now I'm about to tear that process apart. So... (laughs) Nobody knows this yet. You're getting the scoop. Yeah. So we've learned a lot, all these people, and I can see what has been missing in Desire Map. Now, if I were super in my ego, not that I don't have an ego, I definitely have a super healthy ego, but if I were super uh, attached to how I looked, I'd be like, let's just keep going with this process. It's working. But for me, there's something deeper because I know more now. I'm wiser, I'm more gentle, I'm more loving, um, and 250,000 people have gone through this. We, we, we have data. And so now I'm going to rehaul it and do a whole new thing and basically come out on stage in about eight, 18 months, two years from now and say, here's the new and improved. And let me tell you, let me tell you how it works now. And uh, yeah. I love that. And that's such a testament to who you are and, and the work that you do in the world that you're constantly checking in and feeling feeling into whether something deserves a shift or deserves a tweak or deserves an overhaul and yeah. tuning into what the next step is, not just for you, but for your community and what they're craving. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's me. It's mostly me. <laughs> Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's so cheesy to quote Henry Ford, but like the, he'd said, you know, he's the, the inventor. He's actually the second inventor, not the original inventor of the vehicle, the car, the automobile. And he said, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have told me they wanted a faster horse. But he, you know, he knew they needed a car. So it has to work for me. Like another example of, of pivoting is I have a newsletter called Firestarter Sessions. It's got a really healthy subscriber list and it has a really great open rate for all the things that I put out. I don't love doing it. It's It just feels flat for me. I don't feel lit up. And the team, you know, got someone who we, we co-create that every month and we're just like, okay, it's time to do the Firestarter mailing. And we're not lit up, but I should keep it because it's great traffic. 
And I just decided to let it go. But I'm going to leverage that. Like in January, when I tell everybody we're done with this, I'm going to use that as the teachable moment. Like I'm not lit up. Do I want to continue to talk about business? Totally. I love the game. I love this. You know, business is a vehicle for love. And I, I, I've got things to say that could help you be better at that. But this isn't it anymore. So it's going out to pasture. And I got some other things I'll do that are around talking about entrepreneurship. But that's just like 20% of my offering now. Mostly I want to talk about consciousness and faith. Right. So I love that you pointed that out, that <clears throat> so often we are doing those things because we think we should be doing them or we have the healthy list that we're supposed to be speaking to. So how do you differentiate between continuing to do something that is working in your company or working to a certain extent versus putting on the brakes or shifting because you know it's no longer in alignment? Are you like you know 100% in alignment or do you find a balance between the two? Yeah, I think it, for, for me, it has to be 80% heart. Okay. Like ideally it's a hundred percent, but of course yeah. there's times you do things. It's like, you know, that's going to sell and that's what someone wants. And we really, if, if I do this, if I put, you know, um, if I put this in the right light or I put this on sale or whatever that is, you know, the strategy, then it's going to help me put more goodness into the world and, I got 16 people who are on payroll, so we're going to do that. But, you know, I'd never, ever, ever, ever do anything that doesn't feel like aligned with my values and my heart ever. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you're like, well, we got overstock in the warehouse. Put it on sale. I don't want to put things on sale. I stand by the value of my things. Like right now, it, it bums me out that we're putting our day planners on sale because those are worth the $50. You use it every day for a year and it comes with this whole support program, but we printed too many this year. And uh, we did this experiment. We did an experiment. We knew it was risky with different designs and stuff. And we're like, okay, now we have to put them on sale. Let's do that next year. No. <laughs> yeah, Not I can putting it on sale. That. I mean, yeah. they're stunning. I have mine. I got some for our team and mm-hmm. we're all obsessed with them. They're beautiful. Thanks. So I'm curious to know a little bit more about the pivot because you started to share some of your insight and I know we're going to go there, but I'm curious to know there was a point when you were the strategist and based on our previous conversations, I also know there was a point where you decided to no longer work with clients in the same way. Can you take us back to that point in that decision? Yeah. Well, again, it's all heart for me. It all, everything has to, here, here are the questions I ask, like, um, does this feel like love? Is this my expression to the world? Is this alleviating suffering, amplifying joy? Yes or no? Am I enthusiastic about it? Basically, am I lit up about it? Am I excited? If I'm not excited, can I enjoy it? It's like Eckhart Tolle says, you know, there's, there's three. He's like, you're enthusiastic. You're in, you can enjoy it or you can accept it. So I have very few things in my life right now. Where I just like have to accept it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything else like I'm down I'm in so with the one-on-one sessions I was getting bored and it's really hard for me to get bored like I really I can I can bring my love and my ideas to pretty much everything but I was hearing the same struggles and I was also working with one person at a time. And this was not deep stuff. I mean, yes, this was going to affect somebody's lives in a potentially in a profound way because, you know, opening up their creativity or the, the idea that was a true expression and something that could, you know, their service in the world makes money, all that. It's, of course, that's life changing. But, you know, if I was like a psychotherapist and doing deep, deep healing with someone, maybe I'd be more interested in working with one person at a time and really changing their life profoundly. But this is business jamming, you know? And so I want to work with more people. I want to reach more people and talk about deeper stuff. That's how I'm built. And I couldn't give the same. I, I don't do well with redundancy. So I couldn't tell one more person 
how to grow their Twitter following. I just like, I'm out. And I, I was talking about that. Right. And yeah. I was also, this is when I know when I get agitated, something is actually, I need to pay attention. And what I used to do, I do not do this any longer. When I get, I, I used to criticize myself for being impatient or getting agitated. And I would say to myself, you know, you're being kind of you're not being understanding enough or Danielle, you're, you're so not awesome. It was like, no, it's not that at all. I'm a, I'm a loving being. The agitation are just showing me I, I like, I can't fully be my loving self right now. So I just like, I'm out. And, it, and it was, it wasn't methodical. I didn't really, I didn't strategize it. I just like, I really need to be done because I'd overworked myself is another pattern I've had. A lot of people listening to this are going to relate. You just, you hang in longer than you should. I should have, re- I should have hung up my coaching strategy hat six months sooner and had an exit plan for myself. But instead I overworked myself and to the point of just like peace out. And um, this is my strategy. I posted, I've got a few months left in me. And I've got X amount of slots. Have have me while you can. And I mean, I was much more enthusiastic about it, <laughs> but um, I didn't have a plan for how I was going to make money. Um, I was making thousand dollars a session at the time for ninety minutes. It was worth it because I was readjusting your whole business, and um, I quit. And I got a book deal. Uh, within a couple of months that, that was the next chapter. Hmm. Which book was that? That was Firestarter Sessions. Okay. Beautiful. And so I love how you pointed out, you know, you didn't have the strategy or the plan. And I think so often people get to the point where they are burnt out and they're so tired of what they've been doing and they want to have that immediate pivot. Um, I've personally been there as well. And I actually pivoted far too quickly and didn't think about what the next step was actually going to be. And so I, I do have a lot of thoughts around that. But I'm curious to know if you had to go back and do it again, would you, you said you would have done it sooner, but would you have more? of a plan in place or would you recommend that someone do it in a different way? No, that worked for me. And that's a pattern for me. So the quick pivot works for me. It may not always work, Mm -hmm. but I know how I do things. Um, You know, I know that my yes is a yes. I know that I will pivot quickly and I'll come up with a plan. Like I'm about to do a really hard pivot in the next three days. And I have the safety to do that because I have an income, but I don't know what the plan is post pivot. I'm going to pivot and stop that train so that I can think more clearly so that I have the energy. I've just cleared the space. It's like, I'm not going to water the weed. I'm not going to let the weed stay in the garden. I'm going to yank it now. So that I can look at like, oh, what could go here now? Ah, I also, you know, I don't like, um, it's not that I don't like chaos. I'm very comfortable with chaos, but I love simplicity. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if I can stop something right away, I do it. And here's the thing why lots of people don't do that. It, it requires some courage. You're going to let some people down. I mean, one of my early learnings was, and again, this is like, there would be a lot of criticism that I would lay on myself for this is changing my mind at the last minute. Now I do this less, I do this less, but there is a, there's a really very healthy, natural, divine reason that we tend to make 11th hour changes. And that is because we see very clearly. We see more clearly um, than we were able to before, right before something is about to launch. Why do you think that is? I think it's this pressure. I think it's this tunnel vision. It's like you have heightened senses. It's almost like this adrenaline, like I'm going to sign this contract. I'm going to get on stage. I'm going to say yes to this. I really got to put the resources to this. 
it's like, it's, it's your come to Jesus moment. It's all dawning mm-hmm. on you. And it, you need to have courage in those moments to say, ah, oh, this isn't right. Or let's do a little pivot. You know, like I used to be, I used to be shy. This is ridiculous, but I'd be shy about saying, you know, I'd read some copy or I'd see some graphic design that was done. And it's like, we had to launch and we got three days and, you know, everybody's been working long hours and I'd be shy to make that change. Like, oh, we've come this far. And now I just, I want to change the header. I want to change that paragraph. The logo, God, doesn't work. You know, the difference between going ahead at that moment and letting it all be okay and saying, you know what? I just had a better idea. The difference, I love that. It's the, that's the difference between mediocrity and greatness sometimes. I agree completely. And I always talk about that with our clients because it's not about being perfect, but it is about ha- about having high standards for what you're putting out into the world. And that inspiration may come at the last minute, but you love your work and you appreciate your work enough to say, you know what, actually this needs to be tweaked. This tweaked, this is something that can go to the next level. I've just gotten inspired idea and let's put this in place. Even if it does take extra time, extra work, it's, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the idea of of the pivot and and it often happening in the last minute. And I also think that the more you pivot and the more you lean into what you're being called to do, you start to trust yourself a lot more and you can pivot quicker with more confidence. I know for me, I had that big pivot of turning the car around literally when I was on my way to grad school, knowing that it wasn't the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my first huge memories of, of trusting myself, trusting my heart and moving in a different direction. And now because I have that that knowledge and that experience and that proof, I'm able to do it much quicker. Do you find that with yourself as well? Yeah. Like I don't need disastrous situations at 1130 at night anymore to go better idea. You know, (laughs) Um, I'm much more, my, my senses are much more refined. Mm. I have so much more courage in my leadership to just say, Mm, this let's go this way. I want it to feel like this. And I've learned some things about, you know, just, uh, sort of procedures. Like I just Mm -hmm. had a meeting yesterday with one of our new graphic designers and said, let me tell you how I love to work. And that's how I phrase things now. It's like, it's never a, this is a procedure demand. It's like, this is what works for me. Um, I want to see three concepts and I like to make decisions on individual elements because I'm very sensitive to people wasting time, meaning I don't like it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. let's, let's show me like five different colors. We'll choose a color. We move, show me three different fonts. We choose the font. We move instead of all of these various elements. And that's actually a metaphor for how I generally like to work. It's like I work from the, ground up. What is the guiding idea? What is it that we want to communicate? How is this of service? Great. How does this, how do we want this to look, sound and feel super? Now, how do we get to the people who resonate? And it's got to happen in that order. If I'm just like, what's going to sell, then, then, then I'm a fake. Right? Yeah. And how did you pivot from the the strategy and the services into the product world? Because I know for me, selfishly, I want to ask this question. I have a lot mm-hmm. of product ideas, but mm-hmm. the question marks are so much, so much bigger than the understanding of how all of that actually works. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a natural fanning. It was a natural spinoff. Like, you know, you come out with a book and you get in that world and then it's like, let's come out with a deck and those kind of things. I went a little crazy. I will say, uh, I had an idea. I had a vision once at once upon a time where I was like, I want to be a lifestyle company and I want to create all these goods, these hard goods that help people, you know, live more from the heart. So I had mala beads and I bought, 
I bought a candle company and I, I did the candles, the candles, they were so gorgeous. Yeah. And, um, I did a few other things and I still have some of those things. Like, so I've like retired the candle company again. That was a thing or just like, that was just too hard. That wasn't that it wasn't in my heart, but it, it was sort of the candles were like on the fringe, even though they were the best. I still think they were some of the best candles in the world. It's like eco everything, the essential oils and harvest on a full moon. They couldn't have been more conscious, but <laughs> it's like they weren't sending a message. Everything I do now has to send a message about consciousness. So if I can do that in a deck or an app, cool. So that, that, that helped me refine what I was going to put out in the world. Um, things for me have to be super eco-friendly, like, you know, the confessions of an entrepreneur, we just found out. So I've been printing my day planners with this coil, coil, um, uh, what do you call the binding for a couple of years. And we just found out that it, it makes them impossible to recycle. You can't get the coil out. It's very difficult to get the coil out. I wanted to cry. I want to throw up thinking that I've had hundreds of thousands of these planners and they are probably in landfills and not recycling bins. Mm -hmm. So done changed. Like it takes us two years to change the design with the lead time of printing and everything. But, you know, by 2022, there will be no more coils. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I got off track there. Um, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Are you hard on yourself? Um, I'm less hard on myself. Here's my quick answer to that. No, I am 10% hard on myself where I'm just like, you know, I'll say to myself, Danielle, how I think I knew that. And somewhere in my consciousness, I must have known that that coil was going to make it difficult to recycle. Mm. But I didn't, I didn't go there. I thought people take the coil out, but we had an incident. We had to, we found a, we found a pallet of planners in the warehouse and our warehouse guys were like, Hey, these are old. They're outdated. And we're like, great, you know, have them recycled. And they got back to us and like, we can't run these through the shredders because of the and we we're just like, yeah. Um, and then I just thought, why didn't I get, you know, and now just like, oh, done, change the, great, we'll change it. I'm a good person. I'm loving. I'm helping people heal their inner child issues. Um, but what can we do better? You know what we're doing? We're doing better. Next edition, there is a tree. Pl we're planting a tree for every planner. Oh, I love that. So, you know, the pivot should should expand you. Some people pivot out of fear. So let's get that on the table. So we call it a pivot. It's a pivot. Pivot's a pivot. But we, it's a pivot to shrink. So you can't be changing your mind to protect yourself out of for unhealthy reasons. And how do you find people can identify whether it's pivoting out of fear or desire? Um, I think your body knows. Like when I make a decision, when I, when I pivot towards expansion, ah, I feel lighter. I feel it's almost like, like turned on. I feel, I feel that sense of expansion. There's like an exhilaration to it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that it's not hard or there's going to, you might have to have some difficult conversations like, sorry, we're not, we're not in anymore, but you feel free. Whereas if you're pivoting out of, over safety, over caution, I think you feel disappointed in yourself. Yeah. You feel a little bit smaller the next day than expanded. You actually don't feel relieved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And I love one, one of the things I love about you is your honesty and your willingness to speak the truth. And so I'm curious to know, you've been doing this for 10, 12 years, you know, much, much longer than me. And I'm curious to know what you see entrepreneurs getting wrong for lack of a better phrase or making things too hard for themselves. Making things too hard for themselves. Um, well, we're over glossy and we're over obsessed with money and there's that. And I think the deep issue there is 
there is a lack of inclusiveness that's happening in terms of what we want to make. And by inclusiveness, I mean, we have these single, singly, singularly focused visions of happiness for ourselves. And I don't think they're big enough. And by big enough, I don't mean it's about making X amount of money or, you know, being a baller. I mean, we need to be considering how our so-called success is actually going to help other people and lift people up with us. And so, you know, what I'm going to be getting on my soapbox about over the, in the next few years is to talk more about inclusive manifesting approaches. So rather than saying, you know, dear life, dear God, dear self, I want all these things. Here are the things on my vision board. Cool. Want all those things. You deserve all those things for sure. The net, but let's take the next step. Um, can you also want climate change to be reversed? Can you also include on your vision board a happy community? Could you also include on your vision, your vision board, other people who you want to be blessed and who you want to be successful? Um, and so your prayer becomes, I want all these things so I can be joyful. Hopefully it's not about the things. It's just like, help me do this so I can be joyful so that I can help other people be joyful. And that's where we have to go or we're cooked. Mm-hmm. We're cooked. I mean, because the way we've been doing this has got us into this mess. I mean, myopic visions of success, which, you know, if you're, if you're unchecked really lead to greed are the reasons why forests on are on fire. It's the reason why Australia is burning. You know, there's, there's, it takes three steps, but the connection is very clear to, um, to all the divisions we have right now. And yeah, just wanting what we want for our own happiness. It's. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about as well is this idea of legacy work. And from my perspective, you've been doing legacy work from the beginning. It seems like fire starter sessions, desire mapping, all of that. It, it just seems so in alignment with, with the, the stamp you want to leave on the world, the way in which you want people to feel, the community. Do you feel that there's a way to tune in to what your legacy work is sooner rather than later? And the reason I'm asking this is because I often ask myself, is this something for right now that's going to lead to the legacy work? Um, Is this actual legacy work? And for me, that's really important that I'm always at least leading to that, if not completely living it right now. And I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know your perspective. I actually, I don't think about it. I, I have, um, legacy is a word that I never use. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worked out this way because I keep showing up and like, just to jump cut to the end. If the day I die, all of my stuff was erased and no one remembered me. I'm really okay with it. Don't care. I, cause there's going to be another, somebody else. And there's lots of somebody's now doing beautiful, gorgeous, change people's lives work. I want to show up while I'm here, help my son be a creative man in the world and do all I can while I'm Danielle. And then I'm out. Like, um, I would love to plant some trees. I mean, I'd loved, I love the idea that people would be laying under trees that were planted from my day planners, but that's about, that's like, that's all I think about. I, I think in terms of, um, I just don't think that long-term, I was just about to say like, you know, with desire mapping, desire mapping has like another 20 year runway to it. Mm-hmm. And that's just recently occurred to me, but I don't even care about that. Like if that all went away, which it won't, 
I think of it. I'll think of the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you most proud of? Oh, what I'm most proud of. I'm a good friend. Mm. You need me. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there with wisdom. I'll get on a plane. I'm there. I'm proud that I have a son who is kind. He's so kind. And one of my proudest moments as an, as an entrepreneur is um, uh, one woman who's been working, we've been working together for eight years, nine years, 10 years, Angie, she bought a house. <laughs> I just like, wow, we, I had, I had a good enough idea and we got it out there. And enough people said, this works. This has helped me that we made enough money that Angie bought a house. Wow. Cool. And, and I love the emails I get where people are just like, this has helped me be a more loving person. And I just think, okay, I can die yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And so we've talked about the different chapters, the different iterations, the different pivots. So I know you have something really exciting coming up next year, your heart-centered work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm taking everything, (laughs) everything I've learned from pivoting and praying and meditation and all of the workshops and all of the gurus and the tinctures and all that. And I'm creating like a devotional program. And so here's the, I won't make you guess. I will tell you though. Um, The one question that I get asked the most where no matter where I speak or what podcast I do is how do I love myself? And I know how to do that now. Like I know the routes back to joy. I've been in, deeply broken, dark places. And I'm not there anymore. I am well, I am joyful. I'm whole. I've earned my wisdom. And I'm going to give it to people in a really systematic way. So um, it's called Heart Centered. And every week for the rest of your life, (laughs) if you want to hang around, I'm going to give you that particular prayer and that particular perspective. And basically what I did was I surveyed all my girlfriends and said, like, if I can impress my girlfriends, I'm winning. Um, <laughs> Cause they're all super neurotic and anxious and, and beautiful and successful and deep and wise. So I said to a handful of them, what could I give you that'll actually get you to open this up every day? And they're just like, listen, I'm running my life. I'm deep. I trust you. I want you to tell me what the meditation is and when to do it. And I want you to give me the one idea that's going to change my fucking life that week. And I was like, I can do that. (laughs) And that's heart centered. And uh, we're going to, it opens up in January and we start February 1st in sync with the lunar new year. And it's all I've got. I mean, not like, it's all I've got, but it's like, it's everything I have. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I was so excited when I saw that in my inbox and the sales page, like the, the branding, Mm -hmm. I know that based on what you said here, you're very involved with your designers. It's just stunning and so beautiful. The messages that you've written on here. So we'll include that in the show notes for sure. Cause I know you have an opportunity for people to join the announcement list is that right? Yeah, get in now, and uh, and then we'll uh, we won't harangue you, <laughs> but we'll keep you very informed about when when things open, and yeah. it's just lovely. Like we're planting a tree for every month that you're there, and the the subscription cost it's like it's between fifty five dollars and twenty five dollars. I'm doing accessibility pricing mm-hmm. for this. It's just. It's all, it's all, it's just, it's all love. Yeah. It's beautiful. So the final question I have for you, Danielle, is something I ask all of our guests here at the I Heart My Life show. I'm curious to know if you can give people one way in which they can live and create a life that's better than what they had envisioned for themselves. Mm-hmm. 
ask your inner child what she, he, or they needs from you. And for any of us who are just like my inner child, what, how, just, if you just, if you just close your eyes and ask your inner child to appear for you, they're going to show up and they may be three years old. They may be eight years old. And they're probably going to say something to you like, I need to sleep. I want a nap. I need more play. And I love it when you fill in the blank and you being able to, first of all, you having the commitment to ask that question of yourself is an act of maturity. It's actually an act of leadership. Then you being able to take a moment to tune in is, is an act of wellness and health. And then you actually giving your deep sensitivity. So your inner child is just another term for your deep sensitivity. You caring for your deep sensitivity is how you become very, very powerful. And this is what women who want to be ballers, it's difficult to make this connection, but I'm telling you based on personal experience and we're and hearing that hundreds, hundreds of women and men, everybody, when you can, when you learn to tend to your most, well, tender self, it's going to increase your capacities to be, to sense things. Your intuition is going to get better. When you can sense yourself more deeply, you're going to be able to be more aware about who's showing up for you. It's very, very powerful. Um, and it seems cheesy and oversimplified, but it isn't that, um, that relationship you have with your sensitive self is, uh, is really how you become a superhero. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's one of my favorite responses. Mm. Thanks again for your time, Danielle. I'm super grateful. I know everyone listening has been changed, has been inspired, has probably cried, laughed. <laughs> I really appreciate your time and everything that you shared with us today. Oh, I love talking to you and love to everybody. Thanks. I hope you loved today's episode. I'm deeply moved by everything Danielle shared, especially that final few minutes where she was talking about living a life better than your dreams. So make sure you take action after this episode. Go and do the exercise that Danielle recommends and tune in with what you know is meant for you and needed in this moment. Sending so much love. Remember, you can find more about Danielle Laporte at daniellelaporte.com. And her heart-centered program can be found at daniellelaporte.com slash heart-centered. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.